We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane coming to you from Blue Wire Studios at the Win in Las Vegas out here for Summer League. Today, we need to talk about the Lakers roster and what we've got to look forward to next season. Joining me, Ron Gutterman, Dan Starkan, Starkan editor extraordinaire <laughs> from LakersNation.com, and Alex Brutha from RotoWire. Guys, welcome in. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. So, this Lakers roster, I think it really comes down to one key phrase, it makes sense. And about a year, what, two years ago, I suppose it was, the Russell Westbrook experience, the start of that, we said over and over again, this roster does not make sense. We said the same thing last summer. It doesn't make sense. This year's roster, it makes sense. Let's kick things off there. Why? And I'll start with you, Ron. I know you you love roster building. What is it that you look at this Lakers roster and you say, man, this, this really makes sense. There's a lot to be optimistic about. Yeah, I think what makes sense about this team is sort of the positional versatility and the positional depth. Uh, you know, you have guys like Max Christie and Austin Reeves who are twos, but they're also ones. Like, they can do a little bit of that ball handling and creation as well. You have your two main point guards in D'Angelo Russell and Gabe Vincent who are, you know, both really solid players and kind of provide you, like, between the two of them, you, can, you know you're getting 48 minutes of quality point guard play every single night. And then on the wings, you have LeBron, you have Torian Prince, you have Max Lewis, you have Rui, you have Vando, you have Cam Reddish even. Like there's, there's so many guys that can guard multiple positions, can play multiple positions offensively. Uh, there's, there's not quite the elite shooting, but there's good shot creation, there's good passing, there's high IQ everywhere. Um, and then, you know, I think if you want to point out one flaw, you would say center depth, Anthony Davis being your main center, Jackson Hayes, who's still sort of a project being your backup. I imagine before the season starts, the Lakers will have one more big on the roster, so I'm not super concerned there. Um, but when, when I look at this roster, I just say th this is versatile, this is deep, this is a smart team, this is a team that I really feel like has championship potential, and they have the whole year to, to build on it as opposed to starting in mid-February. Uh, there we go. We've got Ron Ever, the, the Lakers optimist. Hey, uh, <laughs> love it. Daniel, do you, do you agree? Do you think this is a championship caliber team? I mean... When you talk about championship caliber, obviously there's there's one team at the top right now, and that's that's Ron's Denver Nuggets. Um, so I'm not <laughs> oh, sure. No. You, you oh, mentioned no. them first, not me. So I don't know. Um, so I'm not sure if they're quite necessarily on that level yet. Ron mentioned the lack of center depth, with which we know in in that type of matchup is is really going to be important. So um, I, I'm not you know putting them ahead of the Nuggets, but we saw last year they were in the Western Conference Finals. 
Um, you know, yeah, they got swept. A lot of those games were close, though. Um, so I think with a full regular season, um, as you like to say, with a roster that makes sense, maybe they won't be digging themselves out of a hole the entire post-trade deadline. So as we saw with the Nuggets, they were kind of getting rest down the stretch of the regular season, and they were a lot more fresh in the playoffs just because they had such a great record. So if the Lakers could get off to a better start and they're in the postseason mix the whole time and LeBron and AD could stay healthy and, and rest more often, then we might see a, a, a fresher you know, superstar duo in the playoffs um, and, and that can make the difference. So I, I still think the Nuggets are, are the standard right now, but I, I think with the moves the Lakers made at the trade dead, deadline last year, keeping you know the, the important guys from that and then adding this offseason, I definitely think... Um, they've improved, and, and that's all you could really ask for considering you know the limited resources that they had. I agree. I mean, I, I think the Nuggets are the team to beat, but I actually think the Lakers have way more optionality and depth than the Nuggets do. Nuggets lost a lot of depth in the offseason. Um, you mentioned the the optionality a lot. Like, you have guys on this team. Like, you can play D'Lo and Hood Shafino together, maybe. Um, you have, you know, Cam Ruggish is an option, and you, like— you can survive injuries with this roster too. You know, if LeBron misses 20 games, if AD misses 20 games, I know the center depth isn't amazing, but I, I like Jackson Hayes a lot. You can piece it together with Vanderbilt. Um, just the amount of guys on this team. And there are guys too who, a lot of this is their role is scaled down. They have a lot of experience. Like Hachimura was a guy who was a, a pretty much a top option for the Wizards at points throughout his career. Now he scales back his role into a six-man opportunity. He was great in the playoffs, obviously. And you got guys all across the, the roster like that. You know, that's interesting because there's, there's a lot of question marks around Jackson Hayes. So, Alex, what is it that you that you like about Jackson Hayes and his fit? His athleticism. He's he's an insane athlete, head on the rim. Like, you can throw lobs to him. You know, if AD is out, he's not the kind of defender AD is. I mean, AD is one of the best defenders in the, in the NBA. But if you're trying to have consistency in terms of a pick-and-roll lob game like you have with AD, it's not going to feel so drastically different if D'Lo gets a pick from Jackson Hayes, rolls, and is looking for a lob. It's, that's going to feel the same, at least. Yeah. All right. There's and again, Jackson Hayes still a big question mark. We know he may even spend some time playing next to Anthony Davis if we're going to buy Rob Polinka's comments about that, which we'll see again, probably another big coming in as well. But Hayes is going to be an interesting piece in this. Um, is there any other guy that you look at and you just say, this is a guy who could really help step up if LeBron is out? I mean, we mentioned last season, LeBron essentially was pushing down on the turbo button in what, January, right? Just to kind of try to keep the team afloat. Then he gets hurt post-trade deadline, then they really take off. But who else on this roster do you look at and say, if it's not LeBron, it's not AD, this guy can be leaned upon on a random Wednesday in January mm -hmm. to keep this team winning basketball games? Yeah, I think I think Rui Hachimura is that guy. Uh, I think Torian Prince is is probably more of a, you know, spot up like three and D guy. I, I don't know necessarily that he's gonna like take over a game. But I, I think Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent, D'Angelo Russell, even maybe Max Christie, we need to see kind of how how things develop. He's obviously looked great in summer league, and all you can expect from a year two player is to look too good in summer league, and that's what he is. So I'm cool there. But I'm I look at this team and if if LeBron is out for a game or you know, a stretch of games. I look at four or five different guys on this roster that could theoretically take over a game by themselves. You, you wouldn't expect them to do that for five games in a row, but you have five different guys that can do it once, and, and you've spread out kind of the, the necessity of some of these guys to step up. You know, last year's team, and I'm not going back to the first Russell Westbrook year. I'll start just from last year. Sure. Uh, when LeBron was out, it was Russell Westbrook who was kind of like the, okay, I'm going to take over. And then after that, it was just like, 
praying anyone could hit one three, like literally <laughs> one single three. Uh, and, and now the, the expectations on everyone is like a little bit less. Like you don't have to, it's not all on Russ or it's not all on Patrick Beverly to try and make something happen when th that's not what his game is. You have five guys that realistically, if you give them the ball, multiple possessions in a row, they can find a way to score. And so now if LeBron has to miss a stretch of games, I'm not super concerned. I'm more concerned if AD has to miss, miss a stretch of games. But if LeBron does, which at his age is probably going to miss a, a handful of games this year, I'm not super concerned. I feel like the Lakers can handle it. I, I, I have to laugh a little bit when you, when you talk about the dynamic with the Russ Lakers. And it feels good to be able to laugh about that because, because you're absolutely right. It was really LeBron's out, AD is out. Russ, go do your thing, and we pray, right? And now, and now this year, uh, and this past season post-trade deadline, they've got so many different options that they can turn to. I mean, what was it in the first-round series against the Grizzlies? I think in six games, they had, what, five different leading scorers, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. So they've got so many different guys that they can they can turn to that can carry some of that load. Uh, Daniel, what about D'Angelo Russell? I mean, there's contractually, the Lakers didn't commit a lot to him, right? We just broke the news yesterday. Keith Smith from Front Office Show broke the news that... He did not get a no-trade clause. He waived the no-trade clause in his deal. So clearly that was something the Lakers negotiated into the deal. I have him penciled in as the starting point guard. Where do you see this going? Because I, when I look at Delo's contract, I think that's not a major vote of confidence that you are our guy for the next, say, five years. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. First of all, I guess R Rob Polinka does deserve a little credit for being able to negotiate into Absolutely. that deal. That's not something we're typically used to seeing. Uh, from Rob but but yeah I, th I think it's a tradable contract but I think they're going to try to make it work I think it's they basically have a three guard rotation and all three of them are more than capable of playing you know 30 plus minutes a night all three of them could play on the ball could play off the ball um, they all could shoot um, so I think it, it's kind of be going to be all three of them like when you talk about if LeBron's out who's going to take on the load I think all three of those guys are they're going to have more responsibilities um, and, and honestly, when talking about on the ball, I see Austin as more of that guy, honestly. And I think D'Lo is a natural fit off the ball. If his shooting from last season uh, carries over, I, I think, you know, we saw how good that backcourt pairing was together. Um, but but I, I see Austin as more of kind of the on-ball guy taking on more responsibilities. We've already seen some stuff coming out from the Lakers that they they kind of want to give him the keys more. We know LeBron has, has put a trust in Austin. But but yeah, I think I think D'Lo should should definitely be motivated. I know um, you know, behind the scenes he's probably not all that happy with with how his free agency process went. Um I think he kind of uh got hurt by that poor Nuggets series, obviously. But before that, uh he was really good for the Lakers. If you look at their regular season record after they got him was obviously incredible. Um he stepped up big in, in you know, that Nuggets closeout game. Um he had a couple big stretches in the Warriors series. But I think he's more of like a streaky type guy. I don't think you can necessarily uh, rely on him to just be your your full-time point guard and, and shoot efficiently every night and make plays for others. But he definitely can do that at times. And I think if you look at all three of their guards, they all bring different skill sets and they're all going to be, you know, given more responsibilities, especially if you're talking about when a guy like, you know, LeBron is out. Yeah. Yeah, I think the short deal will keep him motivated. That helps. And yeah, I expect him to start, but I think D'Lo at this point in his career is a great a guy to stagger with the backups, have him run the second unit. Um, he can take some threes, you know, step back threes that may, within the flow of the st offense with the starters, you may not want him taken with LeBron and AD on the floor, but you can have him run that second unit. They'll keep him happy. He'll keep his usage high. Um, and so I, it, it remains kind of a prove-it year for him because like you mentioned, 
he probably isn't super happy with the contract he's gotten based on what he's done for the rest of his career. Um, so I think this is a good opportunity for the Lakers to hang on to him, and I think he can he'll play well. I, I mean, I know this year we're going to be covering tons of potential D'Lo trades, right? There's going to be plenty of rumors come trade deadline. That doesn't mean they're going to move him. That doesn't even mean they signed him with the idea of moving him just because they negotiated out that no trade clause. That's about flexibility. But he's also probably now their most tradable contract. So that is going to be a storyline to watch as we, you know, inch towards the trade deadline. Long way to go, obviously, here in July. But getting closer to the trade deadline, I'm sure D'Lo trade rumors are going to start popping up. And it's not going to be just what's out there, but it's also going to be how does the team navigate those rumors? Because, you know, those are coming. Um, I have penciled in as my starting lineup, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Rui Hachimura, Anthony Davis. Is there a case to be made for someone else, like Jared Vanderbilt, is there, or or do, are we pretty set that that's going to be it? I have Jared Vanderbilt in the starting lineup okay. over Rui Hachimura because I think Rui Hachimura, uh, his skill set lends itself so much better to being an off the bench come in and and score and and put points on the board. Um, I like uh, Jared Vanderbilt's defensive fit uh, next to that starting lineup. I think with D'Angelo Russell and and kind of regular season LeBron James, we know that in the regular season LeBron is not you know playing at an all all NBA defensive level uh, because he's he's preserving energy. I don't blame him for that, but with D'Angelo Russell in there and with LeBron James in there, I think it makes sense to have as good of defenders around him as possible. And I think Jared Vanderbilt is arguably the best uh, perimeter defender on this team, the best non-Anthony Davis defender on this team. And so I, I like the idea of having him in the starting lineup, putting Roy Hachimura on the bench and then having him be that sixth man that can kind of lead the second unit scoring he still plays solid defense, so it's it's not an issue. But I, I think that's kind of the only switch I would make. Otherwise, I think, yeah, I think those other four are pretty locked in. Where do you guys stand? Rui, Vando, who starts? Um, as as far as I'm concerned, uh, th this might this doesn't happen very often. I might actually agree with Ron on, <laughs> on this one. Wow. Um, I, I just think when you look at um, it, a lot of it will be matchup dependent. I know Darvin, you know, switches up his starting lineups at times, but I think when you're playing teams that have a dominant you know, wing score, a dominant, you know, guard. Um, I, I think you're going to want Vando in there defending that type of guy. And if you look at, you know, the rest of the starting lineup, like like he was saying, you don't want you don't want LeBron on him. You don't want AD on him. Um, and Austin and D'Lo, it, it, you know, depending on the size, I, I don't think they're necessarily hanging in there either. So I think Rui, his defense was much improved last year in the postseason. I think we saw him more motivated than ever, uh, which when you're playing in playoff games in LA compared to, you know, regular season Washington games, it makes sense. And I, I think he has the tools to be a, a pretty solid defender. He's he's a little bigger, a little stronger than Vando. I think Vando's a little quicker. Um, but but I just think on a night-to-night -night basis, you're going to want uh, Vando in there chasing around those guys through screens and such just to, to keep, you know, your other uh, stars and, and your other starters more fresh. Yeah, I agree. I, I like, I value scoring off the bench. So Hachimura off the bench to me makes sense. But the question is ultimately like, do you want more spacing out there or do you want more defense out there? And that that's going to be matchup dependent. Like if if you're playing, again, a, a team with like really talented wings, you want someone to guard Kawhi or Paul George or Durant or <laughs> Devin Booker, like the Suns team, yep. you might want Vando out there. And then there are going to be some other nights where maybe you need to prioritize your spacing more. You could put Hachimura in there. Ultimately, I think both guys are going to play, I mean, real yeah. great minutes for for the Lakers. And sorry, sorry, just to jump in real quick. One thing we saw last year um, with Dennis Schroeder, we know Darvin Ham loved those three guard lineups. I'm not expecting Gabe <laughs> Vincent to start alongside D'Lo and Austin, but I 
I do think we will see lineups with all three of those guys together. You as are well. stressing Lakers fans <laughs> out. Right I'm now, just warning right? you guys. I'm just warning you guys. <laughs> as, as you know, long as we don't see the four guard mess that we, we yeah. actually saw at one point, Austin Reeves had to play power forward at one point, but I think that was more out of injury necessity. And I will say the the D'Lo, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Austin Reeves lineups weren't bad. Yeah. They weren't terrible. No. It was when it was Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Austin That's Reeves right. that it was like, okay, no, this is a mess. But right. like that, so like. To me, like a D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent, Austin Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt, Anthony Davis lineup doesn't sound like I'm not terrified by that prospect. Right. Maybe don't want to see it for more than like a few minute stretch, but like I'm not terrified when I hear that. So I think there's a couple of things there. I think we've kind of got a little PTSD from the Russell Westbrook experience, like you mentioned. And then against Denver, game one, they started small. Right, the Lakers started. I mean, I mean, it made, no, sure made no sense. Yeah. Made no sense, but they, but they started. So the the three guard lineup is just. I mean, it, it is stress inducing for Lakers fans. But I do think that these three guards actually can play together in the right situation. If you're playing the Warriors and they're going small, you can put Gabe Vincent, Reeves, D'Lo on the floor together and be okay. That being said, let's let's ease some fears here in terms of the overall size of this roster because this is something that Rob Palenka has talked about specifically. He's talked about their desire to add positional size to this team. Now, we look at this team and people say, who's stopping Jokic? They don't have a center. And we tend to just think, oh, this must be a really small team. I don't know if that's the case. So let me ask you guys, did they accomplish their goal of creating a team with quote-unquote positional size? I think they did. Yeah, I mean, it's... AD, whether he plays at the five or the four is a big guy. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, that's, that's the least of my concerns. Hachimura is a, he's a very big guy. Like you look him out there. He, he looks as big as LeBron James at points. Like physically he, I think one thing he did last year, it, you know, it's easy for people to get caught up in the three point shooting or his pull up game. He was a bully sometimes out there. And I think more so it's not necessarily the size, it's the physicality. Right. And I think signing him accomplished that they drafted Hood Shafino, who's big for, for a point guard, right? A playmaking guard, at least. So I think I think they accomplished it. No, I, I'm glad that Alex pointed out the the rookies as well because when you look at JHS and Max Christie, they might be getting minutes. And for for guards, they got both got really good size. And then obviously the wings. I mean, we've never seen this many wings on the Lakers before. I, I've talked about this a few times. Like we've been begging for for size on the wing for years now, and it feels like they finally accomplished that. Torian Prince is a big dude as well. Like he's six seven, six eight. He mentioned Rui Vando, uh, like. The list goes on and on. Cam Reddish is a guy who often gets forgotten about. So um, I, I think we still got to see that last piece to the puzzle that Rob has said. They still need to add one more big man. Um, so we'll see who that ends up being. I know we've talked about Christian Wood a lot. I think we'd all be pretty happy with that just because of the versatility that would bring. Um, adding you know a stretch five to the mix as well, which they don't currently have. But I think overall, if you just look up and down the roster, um, way more size. We're not we're not sitting here talking about how Patrick Beverly is going to be Garden Wings. So uh, it's way better if you ask <laughs> That's me. <right. laughs> yeah, I think like if you look at you know the Nuggets series, starting game one small was you know that that was a choice. But like that that doesn't really matter because I think if you look at every position, if you go point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, you look at a guy that you could argue is like big for that position in today's NBA. That's really all that matters. And I think. Uh, you know, the starting point was was better, too, after the trade deadline because, you know, we saw the Nuggets kind of be bigger than them, and that's the Nuggets have built a very strong roster, so that's that's really not in question. But if you look at the series before the Warriors, that's a really good team, and the Lakers just physically imposed themselves. They were so much bigger at every position, and if you look at the Warriors now, like, they got even smaller by adding Chris Paul instead of Jordan Poole. Like, they, 
though that's a small team at every position if you look at the Phoenix Suns they're pretty small at every position because they're going to they're going to be playing Beal and Booker together a lot so one of those guys is either you know a 1 one of those guys might be a 3 like they're small there but if you look at the Lakers no matter what lineup combination they put out at least 3 or 4 of the positions on the court you're getting a guy that's bigger than the average for that position and that that's really what you're looking for when you're talking about trying to win size advantage, win matchups, uh, you know, with with physically imposing uh, against an opponent. Yeah, I mean, to speak to that, I mean, I think that when you're looking at this Lakers roster, the only player who is not average height or bigger at his position is probably Gabe Vincent. And that's, I mean, D'Lo is big for a, for a guard. Austin Reeves is big for a guard. So they've got size. I, I guess during the Warriors series, it was extremely frustrating to watch how many offensive rebounds the Warriors were able to get. And a lot of that was off of long bounces. And that's where positional size, having size at the other positions, not just in the middle, is going to be important. Do you think we see that, though? Do we think they did enough to mitigate the offensive rebounding problem that we saw pop up in the postseason? I do think Gabe Vincent specifically, and I know like we compare him to Dennis Schroeder a lot, but like Gabe Vincent is scrappy. And like he's the, like we talk about, he's, he's the small guy on the team, but like, he does not play small. Like he plays with with a bigger mentality and a, a bigger mindset, and that like that that's huge from your only really like undersized player to know that you're gonna get a hundred and ten percent effort. Like, you know, we can we can criticize kind of the inconsistent shooting with Gabe Vincent. Dennis Schroeder had kind of the same issue, but man, like he's working every minute he's on the court. He's going to fight, and so I'm I'm now not really worried when I like Torian Prince is a guy that I think can win on the perimeter in a rebounding battle. I think Jared Vanderbilt obviously can do that. Roy Hachimura, I think with, you know, getting a little more comfortable in his role, I think he still was trying to figure himself out towards the end of last year. More comfortable in his role, he'll be able to do that. So I'm not super worried at any of the positions. I think uh, if you look around, if you look around the West, outside of Denver, and we, like we've already kind of said that Denver's kind of still the top, outside of Denver, I don't see a team that I could look at and say they're going to, they're going to physically impose themselves on the Lakers, and the Lakers won't have anything to do about it. You're not buying any Timberwolves stock there with Gobert and Towns? And <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Cat I, I, the other day said something about, like, just watch us. I did. Like, <laughs> we're good. You know, w when I look at this roster, too, and, and Daniel brought him up, Cam Reddish is kind of the forgotten man. In, in all of this and maybe you know, there's a reason for that he's bounced around to a number of teams he's always been a guy that's you know more potential than than production and potential can be a dangerous word in this league what do we expect to see out of him this season there's some optimism that's kind of percolating around the league right now that maybe this will work for the Lakers what are we thinking about Cam Reddish and what does it look like if it does work uh, I mean the way I see it right now if everyone's healthy he's probably on the outside looking into the rotation but as, as we've talked about this whole time, guys are going to miss time. You know, we're not expecting LeBron and AD to play 80 games each. And, and I think Cam gives you good size and versatility where he could play multiple positions. I, I think he's more of a project. Like, like you were mentioning, he's a former lottery pick. He's still only like 23 years old. So I think if you get him with, you know, the Lakers, you know, get him with their coaching staff with Phil Handy this summer, um, and maybe they could lock some, unlock some stuff. Like if, with him, it's kind of similar like what like, like what Alex was talking about earlier where um, these guys don't need to play above their roles. Like if you could tell Cam Reddish to go in there and just defend guys and make corner threes, and I think that's a, an easy path to, to success for him. So I think if you simplify it for him, um, 
you know, it could really work. But I'm not expecting him to be in the rotation. I personally, I've, I tweeted the other day, I think Max Christie, if you're looking at a 10-man rotation to start the year, I think that 10th spot, I, I'd give it to Max Christie. Um, but I think things are going to be ever-changing, and I think he'll get his opportunities, and, and hopefully he makes the most of them. Yeah, I think anything you get out of Cam Ruggish is a bonus, to be honest. I mean, there's a reason you signed him for such little money. You know, his minutes per game keep creeping down. It's just for him, it's it's offensive consistency. His shooting just hasn't really gotten there. He has great size and great defensive ability. I mean, I think that's why you get him. He could play like two through four if you need him to, depending on the matchup. But again, I think it's outside looking in. I think anything you get's a bonus. It may be more like when guys are hurt, he comes in and you, you just see what you have. You mentioned Max Christie. He he may well get those minutes. He's looked great in summer league so far. Uh, what do we see from him? What's his role? Yeah, I think I think Max Christie can be a, a perfect backup to Austin Reeves. Um, you know, I, I see him probably not being like, uh, you know, sixth or seventh man. He's probably ninth or tenth kind of in that rotation. But if behind Austin Reeves, behind Gabe Vincent, he can give you 18-ish, 15 to 20 minutes a night of I'm going to make my threes, I'm going to create for others, and I'm going to work hard on defense. I, I don't think... Physically, he looks bigger than he was last year, which is great, but I'm not sure he's quite like physically a, a going to be an imposing defender quite yet. I think, but he's a hard worker and he'll be able to scrap on the defensive end. He'll be able to get steals. He'll be able to get in passing lanes. So I, I believe in him there. So if he can just go in for 15 to 20 minutes a night behind Austin Reeves or even with Austin Reeves, I think there's some versatility there. If he can make his threes, if he can create for others, and if he can just play solid, scrappy defense, I, he's he's going to be a, a big part of this team. I really think there's, I, I see the world in which he is a regular rotation player from day one all the way through the postseason. I, I think the thing with me, with Max, is I just want to see him get a legit shot. Like, I think last year, whenever they would throw him in there, he, he always did well, and we were all calling for him to get more minutes. And obviously with a, a veteran, heavy, heavy veteran team, and, and they were playing really important games for yeah. like three minutes. I, I understand why Darvin Ham didn't go to him that often, but I just want to see him get a legit shot. He's only 20 years old. There's obviously going to be growing pains, and, and that's fine. Like, you know, he's only going to get better if he gets those reps. If he's, We know he's too good for the G League at this point. We see him dominating in summer league. So the next step is just to do it against NBA competition, and I think with a more refined role, uh, that makes things easier for him. But but yeah, like Ron said, just a 15 to 18 minute per game role as, as your ninth or 10th guy or whatever. I'm not expecting him to be in the starting lineup or anything, but I just want to see him get as many minutes as possible to to continue growing and developing his game because I think he's still got a really bright future. Like, like I said, he's only 20 years old. Yeah, when the shot's not falling, he's got to make sure to keep his effort high and his mistakes low. Like that's when you're a young player, as long as you can do those things, especially when you're on a veteran team and the patience might not be where it is from the coaching staff and the other guys around you. And I think he's capable of that. And I think, you know, again, his shot's not always going to fall. There's going to be matchups that he's going to get thrown into in an NBA setting where yeah, he might get crossed over and burn. But again, if he's trying hard, he's going for those rebounds too in the middle of the floor, that'll help. Um, so that's, I think that's the main thing for him. I think he can contribute. Yeah. I think he's a very strong rebounder. I mean, strong physically too. He's put on a lot of muscle, yep. but he's a very, very good rebounder. We've seen it in summer league. I think that's something that can certainly help the Lakers. And also look, there's an element to this where Max Christie has everything on the line this season. He's yeah. got, he's got one year left on his deal. This is, this is pre Rob Palinka rule in the new CBA 
So he needs a new contract next summer. He's going to have all the motivation to go out there and get his Austin Reeves deal, have his Austin season, season two, and see what he can do and uh, and potentially get that big payday next summer. So I'm expecting to see some fireworks out of Max Christie uh, this coming season. But let's talk about LeBron and AD. Let's t- let's talk about the, the the two big dogs here. What do we expect out of them? Because I think there's a sense that the Lakers, their roster overall, improved this summer. Do we see any slippage from LeBron and AD? Does that mitigate the improvement elsewhere? What what do we expect to see out of a 38 going on 39-year-old LeBron and Anthony Davis coming off a foot injury this past year? What do you guys think? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um... I, I'm expecting a lot of the same. I, f- I feel like at the start of every season, everyone sits there and says, you know, this is the year that AD is going to take the keys. He's going to be the main guy. And I think he's just shown that that's not necessarily him. And, and that's okay. Like, he's still arguably the best defensive player in the world. So he's kind of the captain on that end of the floor. And and offensively, he's going to be inconsistent, but he's still a force. And and we'll see about the shooting. I think that's kind of the one thing that from from the championship season, that's what's kind of... Uh, gotten significantly worse and that's kind of why he's not that 30 point per game guy or, or whatever anymore but I think AD is what he is and, and he's a great player and and LeBron I mean he's he's entering his 21st season so you expect him to slow down a little but every time he's been healthy he's shown us that he's he's still that dude so um I I think hopefully with with this improved roster um, you know they could get off to a better start have a better record those guys could get more rest because I think it's all about the the whole Lakers season comes down to can those two guys stay healthy and could they be at their best in the playoffs? Like you're not going to win a championship without that. So I I think if you could if other guys could step up in the regular season, which they're more positioned to do compared to previous years, um, that should help keep them you know fresh and, and healthier. Obviously, we know these injuries could happen at any time with doing anything. Like we've seen them have some some fluke type stuff, which. You just hope, you know, you hope to avoid that, obviously. But I think like like we've been talking about earlier, if they, if it happens where LeBron rolls his ankle or a, AD rolls his ankle and they're out for 10 games or whatever, I, I think you have a better overall roster to, to kind of withstand that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be counting on LeBron or AD to play more than 60 games this season. Like mm-hmm. I would be, I would be pretty happy if they got more than 60 games. Um, but what's what's so great to me about this roster is like, and I I'm not even sure that if I look back at the 2020 the championship team I'm not even sure I could say this but there are lineup options that I'm excited about that don't include LeBron James that don't include maybe Anthony Davis less so because of the lack of center depth but I can think of like actual lineups that work and could win you regular season games probably not postseason games but could win you regular season games without LeBron James in them. Like, I think, you know, you could put out a lineup that's Gabe Vincent, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, Torian Prince, Anthony Davis. Like, that's a really good basketball lineup that makes sense and can play extended minutes together, and it doesn't include LeBron James. So if LeBron does take 25, 30 games off this year due to injury or rest or whatever, I'm not concerned as long as when when game one of the first round happens, LeBron James is at full strength. And I think that's that's all this roster, like that's what matters to me is our, on game one, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, full strength in April. I, the rest of it, the Lakers can figure it out. I think the Lakers can be a 50-plus win team, even if those two guys miss 25 games each. Yeah, I mean, on the court-wise, I don't really expect too much different from from either of those guys. I mean, LeBron, you figure maybe, again, takes a small step back. You mentioned, you know, handing the keys to Anthony Davis. I just think LeBron's, you know, sort of... It, his, his stats and his abilities coming down is so slow. Like, I don't think there's going to be a year where it kind of just falls off and it's like, well, AD, now it's your turn. And so ultimately, AD's in his prime. I expect them to be, you know, consistent. Again, we can talk all day about injuries. It's impossible to predict, right? Again, I think, I think you're right. You want to get 60-plus games out of these guys or you hope for 60 games, um, some rest here or there. But on the court, I, I expect basically what we saw last year, yeah. Well, and I want to finish with with this point. Look, if you are a Lakers fan and you're looking at LeBron James and you're saying, this is it, or even if you're a Lakers hater, you're a LeBron hater, and you're looking at what LeBron did in the playoffs this year, and you're going, well, this is just what he is now. No, it's not, because we saw him play through a serious foot injury. I think that did hamper him in the postseason. That doesn't mean he's going to go back to being his 28-year-old self and he's going to be flying up and down the floor every single possession. He's not going to do that. But if we go into this season expecting to see the LeBron from the playoffs out there, I think we'll be surprised that he looks a lot more spry than what we saw him at last. Again, he was managing an active injury. So I do think there's going to be more burst to LeBron to start the season. Again, assuming he is 100% healthy, I think he can get to a level that is beyond even what we saw in the playoffs. And because we forget back in December, back in January, he was incredible. I don't know if he touches that level quite this next season when he does turn 39 years old, but if he gets anywhere close to that, and in particular, if he doesn't have to push down on that turbo button, like Ron was saying, until uh, until April, that could make all the difference in the world for the Lakers. I do think LeBron still has that next level that he can get to, and I don't think what we saw in the playoffs is necessarily a good representation of where he's truly at when he's at his physical peak right now. But, guys, thank you so much for, for coming on here. appreciate it. Great show, and I, and I really enjoyed breaking down this whole roster. Of course, it was fun. A lot of fun. Absolutely. And Lakers Nation, make sure you guys do subscribe to the Lakers Nation podcast on the YouTube channel, turn on those notifications, and then follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe.